You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters... 35 and 36 of Breaking Dawn. That's Deadline and Bloodlust. And it's all coming to a head. Bella has organized some fake papers for Renesme and Jacob. And she's also figured out that Renesme can get through her shield defenses. So now she's freaking out about maybe other people being able to get through her shield defenses, even though no one can. I don't know. I don't know. But they're still going with the plan that they'll make the Volturi pause long enough so that Renesme can touch Arrow and then he'll be just fine with it. <laughs> Which sounds ridiculous, but that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> Before we get into it though, big announcement coming. I've just finished the Allegiant book over on Patreon at patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. And I am very excited to be starting Midnight Sun over there. That's right. We're going back to the text. And by the text, I mean Twilight from a different perspective. I've read the first 14 pages of that book and I didn't like it, but I also loved it, if you know what I mean. So I'm really excited to get into that. So if you want access to those episodes, there's one episode a week. Just go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books for $3 US a month. You get access to all those episodes plus all of the older books that I've read there as well, including Maze Runner, Insurgent, Allegiant, and Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed. But we've got a lot to cover. So let's get back to chapter 35, Deadline. And so this chapter starts with Edward asking Bella, oh, you're headed out? Just all nonchalant. And she's like, yep, just got a few things. She's going to go pick up the papers and she doesn't want to lead Edward on or let him know what she's about to do because then when Arrow would read Edward's mind, he'd figure out the plan. So Hita says, okay, well, hurry back. And she goes to the garage and she says, I took his Volvo again, wondering if he'd read the odometer after my last errand. That feels coercive control-y to me. Like, do we think he's actually checking the odometer to see how far away Bella's been driving? I wouldn't put it past him. Edward's a creep. He's calmed down a little in married life, but he's still a creep. So she's heading towards Seattle to get the papers and she's thinking about the last time she went and how Alice sent her to the dodgy neighborhood first. And now she's realizing that Alice sent her there because if she went to the big office, she wouldn't have known what to ask for. But it was a big hint for her going to the dodgy area so that she would know to ask for fake papers. 
And again, I think we're giving Alice too much credit. I don't think Alice thought about it that much. I think Alice is just acting on things that might be happening in the future, dependent on decisions. And I think she could have given you more of a heads up. Easily, easily could have, but she didn't. So she goes into this restaurant to meet Jay Jenks. She pops the contacts in. She's wearing a sexy little dress and she walks in and he's like, a goo goo gaga. He's like, oh my God, Mrs. Cullen, woof. He's like, look at you. And she's loving it. But before that, the maid of D was also gasping at how attractive she was. And she was like, yeah, I gosh, guys, have you never seen a sexy vampire before? It's just little old me, little Bella Swan Cullen in a little slip dress. She calls it an oyster satin cocktail dress. And she's like, you know what? I do kind of like getting all the compliments. And then she's standing by a fireplace because I, I don't know, Jay Jenks mustn't be there yet. So she's standing by a fireplace and she's warming her hands so that when she shakes his hand, it won't be that cold. But then she says, not that he's not obviously aware that there was something up with the Cullens anyway, but it's probably good if I warm up my hands before I shake hands with this guy who clearly knows that I'm a vampire. And so then she's having a weird moment where she's like, hmm, I wonder what, what it would be like if I just put my hand in the fire. And she's, I don't know, she's feeling like she's going to self-harm by putting her hand in the fire. And then she pulls herself out of it. And she's like, actually, I better not. I also didn't think fire itself would harm her that badly. I think they always burn the vampire corpses in, after the battles, but they've got to chop them up first. So I think she's fine. Anyway, that was, that's a weird little tidbit. And then Jay Jenks is like, oh, Google Gaga. He's like, hello, you look stunning. And she's like, please, this old thing. And he says, you know what? I do like dealing with you a lot better than Mr. Jasper. You're a lot less unsettling. And she's like, oh, really? I've always found Jasper to have a very soothing presence. And he's like, uh... Yeah, if you say so, dull, that's definitely not been my experience. So clearly Jasper wants this guy to be unsettled. He wants Jay Jenks to be terrified of him. But Bella's like, that's so weird. Oh, Jasper's lovely. How does he not think Jasper's lovely? She thinks, how odd. What had Jasper done to this man? And it's like, it's intentional, idiot. And never mind. So she says, have you known Jasper long? And he's like, uh, yeah, for about like 20 years. And my old partner knew him for 15 years before that. He never changes. As in, he still looks the same as he did 20 years ago and 35 years ago. And Belle goes, yeah, Jasper's kind of funny that way. It's like, okay, we're clearly skirting around the fact that you guys are the undead. And so he's like, all right, here's your papers. I trust they'll be just what you need. And so she goes through the envelope. She has a quick look. And she says, though I had no idea what I should be looking for, I opened the envelope and gave the contents a cursory glance. What do you mean? You have, you have no idea what you should be looking for. It's an ID, like a driver's license for Jacob, a passport for the two of them and like a birth certificate. And she's like, I have no idea what I should be looking for. Have you never seen a passport before Bells? I know you've been to Italy. You've got one. And you know how she gave him that photo of Jacob on the porch? Well, apparently Jay Jenks had taken that picture and flipped it and brightened it up a little so it wasn't obvious that it's the same picture. So, wow, he's worth every cent. They sound like some good forged documents. And he says, yep, they'll pass the most rigorous scrutiny by experts. And she's like, cool, yeah, I'm sure that's great. And he says, that's fine, Bella. He says, it's been my pleasure. In the future, feel free to come to me for anything the Cullen family needs. AKA, he doesn't want to deal with Jasper who he's terrified of. And she says, He didn't even hint at it really, but this sounded like an invitation for me to take over Jasper's place as liaison. What do you mean he didn't hint at it? He pretty much outright said, please deal with me. I don't want to deal with Jasper. He says, in the future, 
come to me for anything the Cullen family needs. And she's like, I've got a suspicion that he might be thinking about hinting to me that I should take over as liaison. It's like, no fucking shit. He's just said it out loud, idiot. And he goes, well, um, there's one other thing, actually. Uh, are you the sister of Mr. Jasper's wife or are you married to his brother? And she's like, yeah, I'm married to his brother. And he's like, oh yeah, okay, Edward then. And she's like, yeah. And he says, yeah, I've seen all the names many times, you know, with all the documents I forged for them. He says, it's nice that Edward's found a partner after all this time. God, everyone was worried about Edward just never losing his V card, weren't they? Like even Jay Jenks that forges their documents was invested in Edward's love life. Like, come off it. And she's like, yeah, okay, what do you want to ask me? And he says, look, it's pretty awkward, but could you maybe just like assure me that you're not planning to kidnap this little girl from her father? Like that would make me sleep better tonight. And she's like, what? No. She's like, I'm a, I'm a vampire. I'm not a kidnapper. She's like, uh, yeah, don't worry about that. This is all for her safety. And he's like, oh, okay, thanks. And he says, not that it's any of my business. And it's like, yeah, you still would have taken the money. I don't hear you calling the cops, Jay Jenks, on your little high horse. And I doubt that that would have happened. If he's been working with the Cullens for 20 years and his business partner was working with them for 15 years before that, I don't think he's going to risk it all for just the welfare of some kid. You're too far beyond that, Jay Jenks. So then she leaves, she goes back to the house and she says a lot of the vampires are off hunting. Out of town, of course, out of state, but they're off hunting. And she says only Kate and Garrett were in the front room arguing playfully about the nutritional value of animal blood. And then she says, I inferred that Garrett had attempted a hunting trip, vegetarian style, and found it difficult. Oh, you inferred, did you, Bella? Why is she acting like a mentalist this chapter, being like, oh, I'm inferring that Jay Jenks would rather deal with me than Jasper. Oh, I'm inferring that Garrett, because he's talking about whether or not he liked animal blood, may have gone hunting for animals. She's putting all the pieces together. Oh, she's clocked it. And so, okay, it's just Kate and Garrett in the house and everyone else is off hunting, including Edward and Renesmee or Renesmee's back in the cottage sleeping or some bullshit. Jacob's in the woods. And she says, that means I've got the house to myself. So, so she says, I'm gonna take advantage of this. So she goes into Alice and Jasper's room and she says, I could smell that I was the first one to enter Alice and Jasper's room in a long while. Maybe the first since the night they'd left us. What, they're housing 27 vampires in this house and no one's gone into the spare room? Like, I know they don't sleep, they don't need bedroom furniture, but none of them have snuck into that room just to have a bit of alone time. You got Kate and Garrett just always in the living room. Is that, are we led to believe that the, like, the Romanian vampires are, are just hanging out in the communal kitchen? No, they're using the space. They're probably in Alice and Jasper's room all the time, but not in this fantasy land. No one goes into that room because it's too sad. It's too sad for everyone. Even though they're distracted as all hell, it's too sad. So she's sitting around. She starts getting a to-go bag. She's making a to-go bag for Renesmee filled with money and the documents. And then she's thinking, how else could I help in this random scenario where Renesmee's able to run away from the field and the confrontation with the Volturi. She's gonna see her mother trying to kill Dimitri, possibly die, she's gonna see all her family die, but she's gonna be able to leg it back to the house and pick up this go bag that she doesn't know exists. So she thinks, now, what would Renesmee wanna find in this little go bag that she doesn't know exists? And she's like, hmm, 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 hmm. And she thinks, okay, well, if I were to assume that Jacob and Renesmee are going to escape, then that means that 
Dimitri would be dead. And if Dimitri's dead, then he can also not track Alice and Jasper. So she's like, I need to leave a message for Alice to go and find Renesmee and Jacob in this fantasy land that they'd be able to escape the confrontation if everyone else is dying. But she's like, Alice has a blind spot for both Renesmee and Jacob. So it's going to be hard for her to find them. So she's like, I know what I'll do. She goes, Alice might not be able to see Jacob or Renesmee, but she could see me. So she visualizes seeing Alice in her head. Like, I don't know. I don't know how that helps. And then she slowly and deliberately writes the words Rio de Janeiro in all caps on a piece of paper. And she thinks that Alice will be able to see that moment in time. And then Alice can make her own inferences as to what the fuck that means. Alice is busy. I don't know why she thinks Alice is just constantly trained on Bella, but she's all right. She's writing notes that just say Rio de Janeiro. And she thinks Rio seemed the best place to send them. It was far away from here. Also, it's a notorious tourist hotspot for the Cullens. They have a holiday home there, babe. You honeymooned there. Edward hung out there when he was depressed and he dumped you. I think even if Dimitri's dead, any old Volturi guard member will be able to track you to Rio. It'll be the first place they look. Send them to Zimbabwe if you're that stressed. No, she's going to send them to Rio of all places. They'll never find them at Isle Esme. Oh, brother. And she says, I crossed my fingers that since it was unlikely that his high school offered Portuguese, Jake had at least taken Spanish as his language elective. And now, you know, I hate that when she always thinks that Spanish speakers can just speak Portuguese. And like, I know it's a similar language. I looked it up and like, yeah, it's like 90% similar, but still. I don't think Jacob can even speak Spanish, let alone speak Spanish well enough to understand Portuguese. They're different fucking languages. Just put like a phrase dictionary in that go bag. Like, come on, be proactive. Download Duolingo on his phone. Come on. Oh, okay. So then we have a break. And then she says they just waited for a couple of days for the fight to come. Well, fight in quote marks, that is. She says Edward and her had not said goodbye. She says they'd not had a last grand scene of farewell, nor did she plan one. To speak the words was to make it final. It would be the same as typing the words the end on the last page of a manuscript. And if that feels forced in, I think it's because it's really forced. Like she's just saying that because at the end of this book, she's going to write the end and she's going to be like, oh, that's thematic importance. But no, it's just like, well, why would you be saying goodbye to him? You'll die together on the field. And you're not dead yet. So maybe like manifest. I know you're not the one with the manifestation skills. That's Maggie or Siobhan or someone. (laughs) But it wouldn't hurt to just manifest that maybe you're not going to die. And so then they start camping out in the field because, okay, the whole thing is Alice had a vision of them arriving when the snow was falling. So now they're just like checking the weather forecast and just seeing if it's going to snow that day to know if the Volturi are going to come. I don't know how subtle the Volturi guard are when they travel, but I feel like you could hear word of them arriving because, all right, we find out that like there's 20 of them. They're bringing the wives as well. And then they're also bringing like 40 other random vampires just to be their own witnesses and to watch. So we've got like 60 something vampires tearing a path from Italy to Seattle. I don't think you need to just check the weather forecast to tell if they're coming. Maybe just put on the news and see if there's been lots of like human deaths from neck leakages in the area. Oh no, the Volturi can really sneak up on you. So they're camping out in this field and they've also got Renesmee in a tent nearby in a forest. Even though there's not really any point in housing her separately because she's going to be in the middle of the confrontation in order to show that she's human. It's not like we can protect her the whole time. 
And it's the exact same field as the confrontation in Eclipse. So she's like, I'm having deja vu. Ha 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 ha. And it's like, no, it's, it's the author running out of ideas and not thinking of another setting. That's what it is. It's not deja vu. It's laziness. So then it's New Year's Eve in the morning and they're all getting into formation. She gets the little to-go bag and she puts it around Renesmee and she's like, here you go. Uh, don't tell your father anything because then Dimitri might be able to track you. And she's like, okay. And then she says to her, in our hearts, we'll always be together. But when the time comes today, you have to leave me. Okay, what happened to not saying goodbyes? She's like, I'm not gonna say goodbye because it's like putting the end on a piece of paper. And then she says to her kid like, all right, well, I guess I'll see you later. And the kid, she's like, no, I don't get it. What, what, why do I have to say goodbye to you? And she says, just do it for me, please. And then Renesmee touches her face. And then it says in italics, why? Question mark, as if that's what Renesmee's communicating to her. Although I thought Renesmee only communicated in like images being projected. I didn't realize she could just project like one word thoughts, but okay, now she's doing that. And she's like, all right, well, stick close with Jacob. Let's just say that. Don't tell anyone anything, but just stick to Jacob and just hold on to your to-go bag. You'll be right. And then Bella also whips out the wedding gift that Arrow gave her, that like crown jewel necklace or whatever. And she pops it on and she's like, can't hurt. Can't hurt to show Arrow that I like the gift. Okay, so then they're getting back into battle formation. Renesmee's climbed onto her back like a spider monkey. Benjamin and Zafrina are staying close to Bella because she wants to protect them with her shield power because they're the most powerful offensive weapons that they have. In the woods behind all the vampires, they've got the werewolves who are ready to go. And then the clouds rolled in and Edward's eyes tightened and she's like, oh, he's probably seeing Alice's vision come to life. The snow's falling, so that must mean the Volturi are here. And then, yes, the Volturi are here. She says, we stared where he did and waited as the last seconds passed. End of chapter. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Then we go to chapter 36, Bloodlust. And she says the Volturi came with pageantry, with a kind of beauty. Good for them. They're just so graceful. Just waltzing in this like snow laden field. She says it wasn't a march. They flowed in perfect synchronicity from the trees. How nice. It's nice that some characters care about pageantry. I know we're making out like the Volturi are the villains, but he gave her a nice necklace for her wedding present. Like a really nice fucking gift. Like they were the crown jewels from some royal country. And now they're doing a little pop-in visit to see her kid. Like these are not, these are not terrible things to be doing. In some cultures, it's polite to visit a family when they've had a newborn. But no, apparently the Volturi are evil, blah, blah, blah. And so they're moving forward. And Bella's also clocking it like it's her old nightmare. But she's like, but in my nightmare, they were more vindictive and enjoying the hunt. But here they're just walking towards us. So she says there were 32 of them. Well, okay, I, she, okay, let's break this down. She says, I couldn't help counting. There were 32 of them. Even if you did not count the two drifting wayfish black coated figures in the very back, who I took to be the wives. Okay, so does that mean they're in the count or not? She says, I couldn't help counting, but then I don't, I don't really know if she did get a full count. There's 32 or 34 of them or 30 of them with two extras. I don't know, they're outnumbered. That's the main thing. And she's acting like she's so fucking brilliant for being able to count that, even though I don't think she counted very well. But you're a vampire. Your mind moves at super speed. You see things that no one else can see. I'm not that shocked if you can count 33 people or 32 people or 31 vampires. I don't know. It's not that shocking. Anyway, so they're outnumbered. She says there's just 19 of them who would fight and then seven more who would just watch as witnesses. And then there was 10 wolves. And she's like, all right, well, that means we're outnumbered. She's like, I've crunched the numbers. I've run the digits. We're outnumbered. And Stefan and Vladimir are like, oh, wow, look, they did come. The wives did come. A lot of pomp and ceremony for these wives. Everyone wants to get a look at them. And from that, it sounds like there was just the two wives. Did we know this before that like out of the three Volturi leaders, there's only two wives? Who's the single one? Is it Arrow? Because I kind of see Arrow being a bit of a bachelor. Or he's banging his personal shield, Renata. Okay, it's just pages and pages of them walking. So while the Volturi are walking forward, then you've got the 40 other vampire witnesses walking behind them. And they don't look as special. They're not in like robes and shit. They don't have intimidating powers. They're just witnesses, regular old vamps. She says, when we were dead, it's these witnesses that would spread the word that the criminals had been eradicated and the Volturi had acted with nothing but impartiality. So she's like, we don't have a prayer. There's no way we can outrun all of them. So then they must get close enough for Edward to catch their thoughts. And he says, oh my God, Alistair was right. They come to destroy and acquire. They have many layers of strategy already in place. If Arena's accusation had somehow proven to be false, they were committed to find another reason to take offense. But they can see Renesmee now, so they are perfectly fine about their course of action. We could still attempt to defend against their other contrived charges, but first they have to stop to hear the truth about Renesmee, which they have no intention of doing. So they're all like, oh my God, we've got to get them to stop. We've got to get them to stop. Meanwhile, they're just like walking so slowly across this field. Like, is it that imperative for them to stop? Can you maybe not just like start talking and being like, 
Oh, hey guys, uh, it's not what it looks like. That's all you need to say, it's not what it looks like. Here, let, just touch the kid. But they're like, oh no, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? They're not gonna stop. Edward says they have no intention of stopping. And then it says, unexpectedly, two seconds later, the procession did halt. <laughs> so wow, okay, so they stopped. There's your chance. But meanwhile, the other dingbats are still standing there wondering what to do. And I'm like, this is your moment. Go have your moment, talk to them. But okay, what made them stop? I hear you ask. It was the wolves coming out of the forest. I guess they, they spooked them. The wolves spooked the Volturi. Every other vampire we've met have been like, who's this dog? They pay no dust to the wolves. Even like Stefan and Vladimir are like, oh, is that your pet? Talking about Jacob. Like no, no one's been intimidated by the wolves, but now apparently all like 67 of the Volturi are stopped in their tracks at the side of the wolves. And okay, well, the, the new twist is there's more of them than Bella had expected there to be. Although I don't know why it's a surprise. Remember the whole thing about the wolves is they came into being because the Cullens moved back to Forks. And then when James and Victoria, they were hanging out, that inspired more people to turn into wolves. And we learned that the presence of vampires and lots of them make people in La Push come to puberty early. That's why we had like Seth and Leah become werewolves when they weren't really expecting to. So it should not be a shock that more people have become wolves in the past couple of weeks since you've had 27 vampires living in the Cullen's house. And she says, I suppose I should have foreseen this. And it's like, yeah, bitch, maybe you should have. But then she gets all annoyed because she's like, oh, they're only young. She's like, oh, they're like 12 and 14 year olds, more children dying. I wondered why Sam had allowed this. It's like, um, his job and all of the wolves' jobs are to protect human life and kill vampires. Like that's, that's the one thing they're made for, Bella. And she's like, how could Sam have let all these young wolves come to the battle? It's like, it's literally their job description, you idiot. Like, what, are they just gonna leave them at home, Bells? Like, uh, that's what they became a wolf for. Oh, she's a dingbat. But she's like, oh no, they've gambled their entire species on this stand and we're going to lose. And that makes her furious. And she's snarling. She can't wait to fight at them. And Zafrina's like, relax. <laughs> Zafrina's like, maybe, maybe just take a chill pill for a second. Like we're all in the same boat here. Like just, just relax. So all the Volturi are just standing still watching and at the front, Arrow and Caius are having a conversation, but really they're not looking at each other or even talking to each other. Marcus and Arrow are just holding hands. But then she says, Marcus, though touching Arrow's hand did not seem part of the conversation. And it's like, well, of course he's not because he doesn't project thoughts. He just has thoughts and Arrow's reading them. And if you can't see him talking, like obviously he's not part of the conversation bells. He's just getting his mind read. I don't So now they're all at a standstill. Again, not utilizing the pause that we've been talking and manifesting for chapters and chapters. She's starting to go down the line of the Volturi trying to clock who's who. She's trying to find where Dimitri is. She's clocking Jane. She's clocking Felix. She's clocking Alec. And then Arrow is also clocking them. He's clocking all the talents and looking at all the Cullens, but then she sees disappointment in his eyes. She thinks because Alice isn't there. And she's like, you know what? I'm glad Alice ran because if he got Alice, I would have been so pissed. So Carlisle's like, hey, Edward, you know how you can read minds, right? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, could you maybe fucking tell us what they're thinking? And Edward's like, oh yeah, of course. He says, they're not sure how to proceed. They're weighing options, choosing key targets. 
Marcus is reading the strength of our ties to each other, looking for weak points. That's the worst talent of them all. I know I've said that about a lot of different talents, but Marcus just pointing out weak spots in relationships. Like, fuck man, anyone can do that. I can go on Instagram and see how a person wishes their boyfriend or girlfriend happy birthday. And I can tell you whether or not that relationship's doomed. Like I don't need some sort of vampire superpower to tell that. Edward says they're worried about the faces they don't recognize, such as Zafrina and Senna and the wolves. They've never been outnumbered before. And Tanya's like, well, they're not outnumbered. Like, can you count? And Edward's like, oh, they're not counting the witnesses as part of their team. They're non-entities. They're just an audience. And Carlisle says, oh, well, should I maybe go up and say something? And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, your voice carries on this open field. And everyone has super hearing. Like they can probably hear you talking already. Like just go out there and fucking talk to them. This is the pause that you wanted. So Carlisle walks forward and he's like, oh, hey, Arrow. It's been a while. How you doing, bud? So then Arrow walks forward out of the Volturi formation with Renata trailing behind him. (laughs) Renata's always like got her fingertips on him. So wherever he walks, she's just like scrambling after him. Like how pathetic. And so Arrow says, oh, hi, Carlisle. Um... Pretty uh, contradictory to be all like nice and saying hello to me when you've, ki- when you've gathered an army to kill me and my dear ones. And Carlisle's like, oh, oh, this? This gathering of superpowered X-Men vampires behind me? That's not an army. He says, you have but to touch my hand to know that was never my intent. And Arrow says, well, how can intent matter when you've turned a child into a vampire? And he's like, oh no, I haven't done that. I think, okay. I think what he should have said was like, no, that child is not a vampire. She's a half human, half vampire hybrid. My son Edward knocked Bella up while she was still a human. And then uh, coincidentally, she gave birth just before dying and becoming a vampire. But she's got a heartbeat. She has got vampire powers. She does drink blood, but no, we didn't turn a child into a vampire. That's what he should have said. But instead he goes, oh, it wasn't me. He says, I have not committed the crime you were here to punish me for. It's like, okay, wait, way to cover your own ass, Carlisle. Like, maybe get the facts out there, idiot. Because then Arrow says, well, just step aside then and show me who is responsible and then we'll punish them. And then he's like, oh, actually, no, I mean, like, no one's broken the law. Like, let me explain. It's like, just, just talk, Carlisle, just talk. And Caius says, mate, we see the child. Don't treat us as fools, okay? Don't take me for a dummy. Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. We didn't come down in the last shower. Don't bullshit a bullshitter. And Carlisle says, no, seriously, seriously. She's not an immortal. She's, she's not even a vampire. And like, I do think she might be a little bit immortal. Like she's growing, but I think she's probably not gonna die anytime soon. And also, what is it that makes someone a vampire? Her main food source is blood. Like, is that not really what we're going off to define vampires in this series? So Carlisle's like, yeah, we've got witnesses. She's, she's, she's a human. She's a human-ish person. She's got uh, human blood in her cheeks. And they're all like, okay. They're like, we're not buying this. Where's Arena? So they, they get Arena. Arena was there. She's the one that dobbed on them. And Arena comes out and she's like, huh. And Caius is like, this is the kid you saw, right? The, the vampire kid. And Irina goes, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not quite sure, actually. And they're like, oh, what the fuck do you mean? And she says, well, the, the kid I saw was shorter. This kid's much older than the kid I saw. And they're like, really? And Arrow's like, ah, enough of this. Give me a hand. So Arrow reads her thoughts and he's like, yeah, she has grown. They're like, wow, 
wow, this is, this is new. Arrow says, and so we have a mystery on our hands, it seems. It would appear the child has grown, yet Arena's first memory was clearly that of an immortal child. Curious. And Carlisle's like, that's exactly what I've been trying to tell you. And Arrow says, yeah, okay. But your opinion means shit to me. I'd rather hear from someone more central to the story. He's like, all right, give me Edward. And really, Arrow's just a thirsty bitch who loves the goss. He knows that if he touches Edward, he will then hear all of everybody's thoughts. He'll get all the dirty, horny details. So he's like, let me just get it from the horse's mouth. Just give me Edward. And Edward's like, oh, fine. And Bella, of course, because she's realizing everything. She's like, oh, wow, he wants Edward so we can see everyone's minds. Oh, it's like, yes. You're not a mentalist, Bella. You're not just figuring out everything that no one else can figure out. These are all obvious things. So Edward starts walking out to meet Arrow and she's packing it. Bella is stressed and she sees Jane smile when Edward gets closer to her than to Bella. And that smug little smile did her in. And she was like, fuck this. She is furious. And it's that fury that makes her suddenly have control over her shield power. Just like that. Just like that. She's now got complete control over her shield power. And no one else has clocked that she's doing it, but she knows that she can now expand that shield to cover and protect Edward. She's like, ha ha, I've finally got it. It's a piece of piss. Too easy, in fact. And then it's not until like Edward actually gets up to Arrow, then she goes, oh, actually, maybe I shouldn't be shielding him right now because Arrow needs to see his thoughts to know that we've done nothing wrong. And it's like, yes, Bella. Like you almost ruined the whole freaking plan. The whole crux of the plan was to get them to pause and listen to the truth. And here's Edward about to give Arrow the truth. And she's, she's about to stop that with her shield power that she can suddenly master. And she's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. And it's like, no, Bella, you absolutely should not be protecting him with your shield right now. Like, are you fucking mad? So Arrow touches him, reads all of his thoughts, all of everybody's thoughts, except for Bella's. And it takes quite a long time because that's a lot to process. And I think Arrow's, you know, probably sticky beaking and eavesdropping on a lot of other different conversations. Maybe not to do with Bella's sex life, but that's where her mind goes. She's like, I don't feel comfortable that Arrow can see every kiss and every touch between Edward and me. And it's like, well, he's probably focusing on everything Edward heard that the Romanians were thinking about. And like Arrow's actual enemies were thinking about. And maybe thinking about how you popped out a kid that's a hybrid. I don't think he's that worried about your cottage sex. So then finally, after a while, Edward's like, you see? And Arrow goes, I do see. He's like, wow, all right. Well, yeah, I I see it. And then Arrow says, may I meet her? I never dreamed of the existence of such a thing in all my centuries. What an addition to our histories. Okay, so now Arrow's fully on board with her being a hybrid. And he's super jazzed about it. And he's acting like it's never happened ever, 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 ever. And I do think it's happened. I think isn't that what Alice is doing right now? She's finding other little vampire human hybrids. So it's not that rare. Or like if Arrow was really doing a good job as like the head of the vampire council, maybe he should be more aware of the other hybrids that are out there. I don't know. He's really freaking jazzed. And he's like, I want to meet this kid. And everyone else is like, could you fill us in? We don't know what the hell just happened. And Arrow's like, yeah, all in good time, all in good time. Kaya says, what's this all about, Arrow? And Arrow says, something you've never dreamed of, my practical friend. Take a moment to ponder. 
for the justice we intend to deliver no longer applies. And so Bella's like, oh, great, <laughs> great. He just said they're no longer going to administer justice. That's, that's amazing. That's what we wanted. But then she sees Edward and the muscles on his back are tightening and she thinks, oh no. She says, I replayed in my head Arrow's instruction for Caius to ponder and heard the double meaning. Okay, well, maybe I'm now an idiot because I don't know what the double meaning of ponder is. Like ponder, it, it means to think about. Oh, okay, so maybe she thinks, think about it, but also think of other ways to judge them. She's not actually talking about a different definition of ponder, just different things that the pondering is thinking about. Okay, all right. There's double meaning there. Okay, agreed. So Arrow's like, yeah, I want to meet her. Let's go into the middle, bring her into the middle and I'll have a little chat with her. And Renata, she's like, um, maybe don't leave me because I'm protecting you. And Arrow says, no, don't worry about it. All is well. Arrow's like, yeah, I don't need, I don't need anyone with me. I don't need any bodyguard with me. And then Edward takes his stupid pills. He says, perhaps you should bring a few members of your guard with us. It will make them more comfortable. So it's Edward who suggested that Arrow, instead of walking out undefended and alone for the first time ever away from Renata, like for the first time vulnerable in front of all these vampires that could kill him. He's like, you know what? Bring a guard, bring Renata and some backup. Why not? Like Edward, shut the fuck up. And Arrow's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. He's like, I was going to go out and be vulnerable for a second, but he's like, yeah, good idea. All right, Felix, Dimitri, come with me. I don't know why he picked them of all people. Like Dimitri can track people. Like everyone's standing out in the field playing his day. I don't know who you got to track Dimitri. And Edward's like, all right, well, Bella, you come forward with Renesmee and a couple of friends. So now that Arrow's got Felix and Dimitri, she needs to bring back up as well. And so she picks Jacob and Emmett. And all right, Jacob, I can live with. But Emmett, like he doesn't even have a power. He's just a big buff head. He's a muscly buff head, but guess what? They're all muscly. All of the vampires are super strong. He just happens to be stronger, maybe? Like, I just think he's got vanity muscles. I don't think he's top shit. Like you beat him in an arm wrestle, but she's like, I need Emmett to come with me. Why? Bring Benjamin, the waterbender. Bring Zafrina and she can block everyone's minds. Like what? But no, she, she picks Emmett of all people. I don't know, but Emmett's jazzed about it because he's ready to go. And it's like, well, you're not actually going to fight. Okay, anyway. And so they move forward and Felix. And does anyone remember who Felix is? Like, I... Uh, I guess he must've met Bella in New Moon. I don't know, because he's like, oh, Bella, you look good. Immortality suits you. And she's like, oh, thanks. And he's like, yeah, no worries. And then Arrow's like, yeah, guys, um, actually, Bella, immortality does become you most extraordinarily. He's like, wow, wow. Like I'm meant to be distracted by this half vampire, half human child, but like, wow, you're stunning. He says, it's as if you were designed for this life. And I'm like, can we stop? gassing Bella up. Like every vampire that's been turned gets pretty. They all get hot. They're acting like, oh my God, Bella, you're so hot now all of a sudden. Yeah, she's hot, but she's not special. They're all hot. And Arrow says, oh, nice to see you wearing the necklace. And she's like, yeah, thanks. It was very generous. And he's like, ah, it's just something I had lying around, which is a great little bit of dialogue that we had to hear. Uh, Okay. So then back to the matter at hand, Arrow says, oh, well, may I greet your daughter? And she's like, okay. So she pushes Renesmee forward. Meanwhile, her shield power, which she is just mastering, 
is protecting everybody else behind her, except for Renesmee. And so then Renesmee touches Arrow's face and Arrow's like, oh, God damn. Oh, God damn. He's like, she is positively charming. You know how like for chapters and chapters, she was like, all we need is for Renesmee to charm Arrow. Everyone loves Renesmee. No one can resist Renesmee. And I was thinking like, as if, as if Arrow would either want to kidnap her himself or just continue to kill all the Cullens. Like he doesn't care about this kid, but no, she's positively beguiling. And he's, he's jazz. Now he's got baby fever. Now he wants to babysit the kid. And he's like, wow, you are so unique. And she's like, yeah, I know. So then she starts touching him and asking questions. And he says, oh, of course I have no desire to harm your loved ones, precious Renesmee. Meanwhile, Maggie, whose vampire talent is being a lie detector, she's hissing at the lie. And it's like, well, okay, you don't need to be Maggie to know that Arrow's lying. I love how Stephanie's really signposting that Arrow's telling a lie there. And it's like, yeah, we're not idiots. We know he's lying. And so then Arrow is clocking the relationship between Jacob and Renesmee. And I think he's trying to be like, oh, I'm noticing some sexual tension here. But it's like, well, you read Edward's mind. So you actually already know about imprinting. But he's like, I wonder. And he's looking between Jacob and Renesmee. And I don't actually know what he's what he's thinking about. But Edward just says, it doesn't work that way. And Arrow says, just an errant thought. And everyone's like, what are they talking about? I thought Arrow would have been like, wow, that's an inappropriate age gap. But no, he actually (laughs) was thinking about whether or not they could train the werewolves to be guard dogs. And Edward says, they don't belong to us. They don't follow our commands. They're just here because they want to be. And it's like, well, no, they're here because Jacob imprinted on a kid. Like, when we get down to it, that's what it's about. And so then Arrow says, yeah, well, they seem quite attached to you and your young mate and your dot, dot, dot family. And then he says, loyal in italics. So yeah, he's shading the relationship between Jacob and Nessie. I think that's what he's doing. He's like, yeah, that wolf's very attached to your child. And Edward's like, yeah, I know it's weird. It's weird, but we're, we're coming to terms with it. So meanwhile, Jacob's like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? And he starts like whining and Edward says, don't worry about it. He's just thinking about making you guys guard dogs. (laughs) And then all the wolves who are surrounding the field start howling because they're like, fuck no. And Arrow laughs and he says, well, I suppose that answers that question. (laughs) He goes, this lot has picked its side, which is hilarious. Like I do love how camp Arrow is. Arrow, he's just got joie de vivre about him, doesn't he? All right, so now that Arrow is positively beguiled by Renesmee, he just goes, all right, well, I've got a lot to discuss. If you and your furry protectors will excuse me, my dear Cullens, I must confer with my brothers. And he goes back to confer and that's the end of the chapter. So, well, it was a, a lot happened and yet nothing happened. We covered a lot of ground and yet no ground. It seems like they're just going to be like, ah, oh, well, you guys did nothing wrong. Go with God but there must be another little complication a common to quickly be resolved anyway, without a conflict. All right, well, (laughs) let's see, there's three chapters left. As I said, head over to Patreon to get in on the Midnight Sun recaps. Allegiance just finished. We're doing the movie Allegiant, which is maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And then Midnight Sun the week after that. So get in and enjoy the content over there. And I'll see you guys next week for almost the end of Breaking Dawn. We're almost there, a couple of weeks left. Let's do it. All right, bye. 
Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.